0: Hello! It is, oh my gosh, the 22nd of November, 2021. This roundtable you are about to hear was recorded almost eight years ago. It was recorded on the 8th of December, 2013. Uh, I had, just a few weeks earlier, put up the last of... Three episodes where I interviewed a Bramo owner, Bramo Impulse owner, and the conversation went so long I had to break it into three episodes. Um, I thought, fair is fair, as much of a Bramo fanboy as I can be, um, I really did, I, I do like the Zero bikes quite a bit. So I thought, fair is fair, I'm going to get a whole bunch of Zero owners on, and uh, I got a whole bunch of volunteers and very nice people. Very different, um, really good. I don't know sample size. There we go, sampling. Really good sampling of different types of people out there, and they talk about the reasons why they went, they chose a zero over a Um, I was really, I was getting pretty sick. Uh, you can hear me talk about it a little bit in this, uh, in this roundtable. Uh, shortly thereafter, I think I came down really, really sick. There was a flu that came around Clarksville, and Clarksville, Tennessee at the time killed like 32 people. So it was like three or four strains of flu all hit at once or something insane like that. So I became very, very sick. I had just put a paywall up on my site. Um, one man (laughs) paid for the paywall. Um, no one else would pay for the paywall, and, um... Uh, that was just kind of the, the last thousandth cut, uh, or, or hit to the gut that kind of killed my motivation at the time. Um, there was a lot of things. The TTXGP had ended, um, shortly thereafter, Bramos has got, Bramo got sold to, um, Polaris. And then Polaris was killed off within a year uh leaving only zero bikes um they make a lot of good points as to why they chose a zero over a bramo um the main reason was the belt drive no transmission and just straight up availability because the zeros were available even though they were changing rapidly uh the zeros were available and then what you can hear is all the hope of what the SR would bring with its slightly beefier engine or motor. Sorry, huh, engine. What am I saying? Motor. Um, zero did not, the SR did not really live up to our hopes. Like you hear, um, Miss Sheck, uh, Susan Schleck, uh, Pinky Racer, uh, talk about how, you know, is it going to be a proper sport bike? And, um, it, it it still wasn't a proper sport bike, but it was still, it was at least at this point, a prop motorcycle with a whole lot of grunt. Um, yeah, it's just really interesting and I can't believe it's been eight years and I found this thing and I'm putting it out here now. So this is episode 33 of ESBK studios, a month, not even a month. Almost a year, two weeks shy of a year after I recorded, uh is almost a, two more weeks. Yeah, it'll be two more weeks. This is the, the what did they say? It was again the 22nd. This is the this was recorded on the 8th, so two and a half more weeks, and it'll be eight years since this was recorded. I uh, hope you guys enjoy, and keep the rubber side down. And here is the last roundtable discussion of ESBK Studios.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Richard Dort, and this is ESBK Studios. It is the 8th of December, 2013, and this is a roundtable discussion, a roundtable forum type thing, of, uh, zero owners. Uh, today I have Dan Jones. He owns a 2013 0s S. I have Ben Swing. He owns a 2012 0s S, but has gotten to ride, like, everything under the sun. We have, uh, L- uh Lorraine uh, McLees, who owns a 2013 zero S as well. And we have Susanna Schick, Pink Eraser. Uh, on the show, and she's just awesome. Uh, she owns a 2013 FX. She calls Shaq. Is that right?
2: Yep, that's Shaq. <laughs> All right. Cool. Does everybody have a, a name for their zero?
3: Yeah. His, his name is Shaq because he's big and black and he likes to have fun. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I don't, Do you have a name for your zero, Lorraine?
2: Yeah, she's Mango Zero. Mango. So mango. My, the orange uh, makes me think of a super ripe mango. Reminds me of Hawaii. Reminds me of Philippines. So Mango Zero. She used to be, uh, when I had the 2012, it was Darth Zero because Darth Vader was on my keychain for the long time. And, you know, it had all the angles and such. So there we go.
1: Uh, Dan, does your bike have a name?
4: No, not yet.
1: <laughs> not yet. All right, that's fine. Ben, what about you?
4: <laughs> I, I think some people on the Ride the Future Tour
5: came up with one, but I don't remember it. So uh, oh, I sure. haven't come up with a, a nickname.
1: Oh, you are on the Ride the Future? Okay, so you were on that tour with a bunch of electric vehicles and such. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. Um, hang on one second. <laughs> I do apologize to everyone. I have been sick, and I wouldn't even be able to do this if it wasn't for the miracles of DayQuil. Um, so so i may cough from from time to time um all right well let's start with dan uh can you introduce yourself um and and kind of give us a a a brief brief background where you're from and and um let's see yeah your name where you're from and what um prompted you to get a a zero
4: hi my name is dan jones i live in naples florida uh as i already said i'm a student at a Florida Golf Coast University, I'm studying engineering, so I really like uh, technical things. And I used to own a few gas bikes, but when uh, I think I first heard about Zero when the 2012 models came out, and I really wanted one, but they were still pretty expensive at the time compared to, like, the performance that they had. So I was kind of on the fence, but I ended up not getting one. And then when I saw the 2013 line, they were more performance to the price, so I, I had to get one. So I traded in my gas bike. At had a Kawasaki, just a 250. i traded trade that in, got my zero as soon as I could, and <laughs> I've been loving it ever since.
1: Sweet, sweet. Uh, ben, uh, what's your story? And again, name, where you're from, and, and what brought you to zero?
5: Yeah, my name is Ben Rich. I live near New York City uh, in uh, Montclair, New Jersey. I teach physics, and I'm a semi-professional swing dancer. Um, in 2007, I got a Vectrex. Um, and, uh, that was my first motorcycle. Uh, and, then, and that had all of 40 miles of range on a good day. Um, and then, uh.
1: We'll have to apologize. Ben cuts out from time to time. <laughs> ben, are you there?
5: I'm back. Sorry about that.
1: That's alright. Uh,
5: and then when, uh, Zero came out with their 2012 line, uh, with 100 miles of range, uh, you know, I really wanted to get in on that. So I got that. And I've been uh, riding it ever since. And uh, this past summer, I participated in the Ride the Future tour going cross country, uh, going from Charleston, South Carolina to LA and then up to San Francisco. Uh, and I've had the chance to ride pretty much every 2013 Zero as well as a Bramo Impulse and uh, Bramo Inertia.
1: Very cool. Lorraine, uh, where, where are you from and what brought you to uh, Zero?
2: Hi, my uh, my name is Lorraine McLeese. Um, I live out here in the Seattle area. Um, I used to ride. I think it started in 2009. I was riding a scooter. Um, it was around the time of the big uh, gas hike, and uh, my husband and I we, we our commute is really short, um, and so we started riding scooters. And um, we got it, we got the Binky 50cc, and uh, two months after you know of that, and it was like there's no way we're gonna. Keep riding this, and so we upgraded to a larger, you know, larger scooters, and uh, we so we rode those for a couple of thousand miles, and um, and uh, we started looking at even bigger like bikes, but then you get anything bigger than like two hundred cc, you don't get the um, the fuel economy, and so somewhere along the way, we heard about electric motorcycles. And uh, so we just started asking our dealers, like, hey, like, you know, have you heard about electric motorcyclists? Like, what do you guys know about it? Um, and uh, they didn't know anything, really. And it's, oh, I've heard of this Bramo bike, uh, this Bramo company. And they started talking to us about that, but they didn't have any Bramo bikes. And uh, by the time we got home, like, at the end of the day, like, we forgot the name. And so we just started looking at electric motorcycles, and Zero was the first one that came up. And so we started looking into that. And then when we found out there was a place out here that could, um, actually do like demo rides, we just had to go. And, uh, when I, t- when I, when I test rode, it was, uh, they had, uh, an X, an XU, they had an S, um, I forget yeah. which else, they had a, they had a third one, but, uh, the, the Zero S had a high seat. I'm, I'm pretty short. And then my inseam is like 31. Um, and I, I'm not really comfortable riding a motorcycle, but I did get my endorsement. I rode like, what was it at the school? Like, a some Kawasaki, like 250, really big, um, at least in my eyes. And it just, it was just really heavy. Um, but I passed the test, um, the safety course. And, uh, so I, I knew that I could do it. And so when we did the test ride, I mean, I fell in love before I got out of the parking lot. I wanted to buy one. It was, just, it was just so nice. Like, it, it felt really good to ride it, and, um, and that it was just using electricity was, was just really, really awesome. And, um, and then I think it was just two weeks from there, like, uh, we decided to go ahead and get one, but the seat was too high on the Zero S, and the one that I test rode had the Corbin seat, so they switched it out for me, and then we went ahead and uh, purchased the, uh, the, the Zero S. I traded in my cute scooter, and so I used to uh, tell my friends that I went from cute to cool, in like, you know, a day or two <laughs> when I traded in my white Aprilia Scarabello, um, really classic looking scooter. And I traded in for the uh, the black and red 2012 Zero S. And, um, yeah, no, I've, I've liked riding electric ever since. And um, I think I mentioned earlier, uh, sitting on the 2013 at the International Motorcycle Show, I just I just had to trade in. I knew that was in my future, and it wasn't very long before I did. So I think I was on the 2012 for nine months. I put like 4,100 miles on it and um, traded in in end of May this year, uh, something like that. And I, I've already got like 3,500 miles on the, uh, on the 2013, and uh, I ride it a lot farther. Um, and it has also introduced this love of motorcycling that I uh, never thought I'd ever, ever have. Like riding wasn't something that I ever thought I'd do like, say, six years ago. Never, ever. So it's kind of really interesting that we're thinking about getting more bikes um, now. So kind of coming at it from the other direction. Not just electrics, but, you know, we're also looking at um, like a Honda, uh, I think it was the NC700, I think. Yeah, Yeah, the
1: NC700 with the semi-automatic transmission.
2: Yeah, so we're also thinking about doing that because I want to ride with my – my husband has a Suzuki Bergman. And so he was riding around the mountain over here, like Mount Rainier, like doing the mountain loop highway. It was just so so pretty. And so the open road is calling. <laughs> yeah, very so cool. If uh, if anything, I'd get the Shadow um, for the 2013 because uh, we found a route that we could use um, to do some uh, some long long distance riding. So I'm I'm really excited about that. And so yeah, 2014 0s uh, S with the uh, extended range. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah i don't think we can afford it but yeah it's so tempting
1: well just wait 2015
2: oh wait I will wait i will fight the temptation
1: <laughs> um Susanna, you yes. uh you've been covering electric bikes um longer yes. than i have
3: uh, yeah i basically um i was working for a startup in san francisco that had um important media at the time it was called great options media and um and I went to Laguna Seca for MotoGP like I always do. And while I was there, they had zeros to test ride. And I was like, oh, shoot, I'm going to test ride one of these electric bikes. And, and then I went back to my, my job and I was like, oh, can I write a story about this electric bike for uh, Gas 2O? And they're like, of course, you know. And, and so that was the first story I published. And, um, and so then I just started covering the EV industry for them. Um, and I really, you know, enjoyed it. And it was something that... Um, it feels good to be able to kind of get people who read it. They choose to read Gastro because they're into electric cars, but to really, you know, force them to read about electric bikes, you know, and electric motorcycles and get them to think about two wheels instead of four. And um, as I've been on motorcycles since I was 15, it's been my primary form of transportation. And it started with a Vespa and worked my way up to an R1 over a long period of time. And then um, so – being on the R1s since 2002, when I rode the Zero in 2009, I was like, you know, this is fun and everything, but it's not nearly enough power. You know, in living in Los Angeles, you need serious power, especially torque, to be able to get out of dicey situations. Um, it's just, it's a really aggressive, you know, dangerous place to ride. And, um, and so, and I mean, I've ridden in New York, San Francisco – London and um, L.A. is probably the most challenging of those cities. And, um, you know, so I knew that when an electric bike came along that had enough power to feel safe, then I would be able to get one. Um, And it didn't have to have R1 power, you know. I mean, that's ridiculous. It's just, you know, not necessary anywhere, really. Um, But it's fun, you know, and it's something that – so – each year I would test ride the zeros, the S's, um, and then I would test for the inertia, I would test ride the impulse, um, and Brammo gave me a really good, um, experience with the impulse. I mean, they really were like, come get, you know, we'll bring the bike to LA and, you know, take it for a spin to Malibu. I had 80 mile day on it. It was really fun, but it was too short for me. It's like the opposite of Lorraine's problem. I'm six feet tall. So, um, I just felt really uncomfortable on that bike. And it's the same height as the S, and so um, when I saw the FX at the bike show last year, I was like, "That's a good-looking bike," um, but I still don't know for sure if it's going to be powerful enough, you know, because it's not as powerful as the S. And so I waited till I had a chance to, you know, borrow somebody's, and because um, Harlan didn't have any available, and um, and the press fleet situation didn't get started. Mm-hmm. Oh, get me started. I just had a conversation with them about that. Like,
1: yeah. Let's not like give bikes fall. to people who actually write about them. Let's give them to everyone who doesn't. Yeah. What they do? Yeah.
3: You no, know, and, and, like, then they, I mean, literally, they're like, we, we didn't have any space for it until the fall, which is, like, when nobody's buying these bikes because there's none left to buy. So it's just kind of uns- really unfortunate for zero. Um, but so in any case, uh, I rode this customer's FX, and I was just, blown away by how much fun it was and I forgot that I had a supermoto at one point and I wanted a supermoto just because that's what all the cool kids have and um you know it's like oh you get to really develop a technique that you don't really develop on a on a you know sport bike and but I'd forgotten about it because that supermoto was horribly uncomfortable above 40 miles an hour like I called it the vibrating wedgie and so it was really nice to have something that doesn't have that engine vibration that's totally smooth, comfortable on the freeway, comfortable at low speeds. It's become like my favorite bike to ride around l a and you know my r one just sits there and collects dust and waits for long trips to happen um, and so it's just it's exactly what I've always wanted, you know, and um I don't know, <laughs> so that's Very all. Cool.
1: Yo, those FXs were, I mean, I remember when I interviewed King and Coogie last year, he's like, those FXs are are just fun. Wheelie monsters, hooligan bikes. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Totally.
1: Very cool. Very cool. So we've, uh, Lorraine and Pinky have have hit upon uh, one thing. Hang on a second. (coughs) My apologies. Um, Uh That I think a lot of the listeners well, anyone who's willing to pay for my podcast now, um, are, are really going to want to know about is uh, why the zero over the Bramo?
0: Mm-hmm. Um
1: and, and so, you know, all, all's fair in love and war. I mean, that's what people want to know. I mean, my mm-hmm. most hit-upon article short of Shalina Moreta's write-up of Italy, <laughs> which Shalina Moreta drives <laughs> traffic, um, yeah, but, uh, is, is uh, any um, any... Uh, comparisons that I do between the, the Zero and the Bram, of course anything I do is just all spec you know,
5: oh.
1: rumoring rumor-mongering. so, uh, Dan why why the Zero over the, the Impulse?
4: Um, the first one that comes to mind is the belt drive it yeah. is, from what I've heard on uh, reviews on the Impulse, you hear the chain and that uh, there's something I like about my bike, how it's almost completely silent, I just love that it's one of the biggest features of it It really brought people's attention. To hear. They see a silent motorcycle going by, and they're like, what is going on? The motorcycle's not making any noise. <laughs> nice. It's Hang me. on
1: one second, Dan. Hey, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, is, is, is there, there's some – some. Are, are you opening a, a tr- uh, tool bench? Tool drawer? No,
5: no let me uh, let me mute. All
1: right, all right, because we're drowning, drowning Dan out there. I apologize. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Dan.
4: So, belt drive. I liked how it was also one gear direct drive. Not that I didn't like uh, the transmission in a, a normal gas bike, but I think it kind of was unnecessary. So I liked that. And those well, honestly, those were probably the two main things. And with the price, I think the zeros were a little cheaper at the time than the M huh. and they were more available. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah,
1: cool. Um, Ben, what, what? Why the why the S? Well, you got a twenty twelve.
5: Since then, I've actually ridden an Impulse as well as the 2013s. But I mean, initially, it was availability. Uh, Bramos didn't exist uh, in reality. You know, they had a button that said "Pre-order." This was like February 2012. Yeah, Um, and they didn't deliver until December or something
1: like that. Yeah.
5: Yeah, so Zero had bikes on the ground, and uh, Impulse was a great idea at the time. but well,
1: no, let's be fair, it was more than an idea. It was, it was being made, but it was not available
0: for sale.
5: Yeah, well, yeah, I'm sorry. That's, that's what I meant. Like, in terms of just being a regular customer, uh, you know, I want to buy one and I'd like it to arrive. Um, they, they just weren't available to, to buy. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, when I rode the impulse, um, so I've been on zeros, uh, and I've, uh, mostly. And, uh, the impulse does have that, that of the, um, chain, which, uh, so the guys that I've talked to say, you know, they kind of get used to that, but, but like Dan was saying, uh, I, I really enjoy just twisting and go and without any, any, you know, I mean, it's not much drama, but you know, without any drama, you just, you just get moving. Um, and then personally, I really enjoy not having any, any gears to deal with and just, you know, you can focus hundred percent on the ride um, and the power is uh is really similar uh, so and now that the sr is available, uh, I think that's actually uh, more powerful
1: oh it is more powerful um, yeah we're gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see, especially because they're claiming three point three seconds zero to sixty times so the the we finally got a zero to sixty comparison between an impulse and a 2013 s, and the impulse gains it's the zero to 30 that the impulse gains a gap on the, uh, on the zero. And mm-hmm. then the zero kind of catches up and doesn't catch up, but it, it maintains that gap all the way to 60. So, and then the bramo has, you know, had the top end advantage because of the gearbox, you know, and it was all, I mean, the, yes. the actual zero motor is more powerful than bramo's motor, but Brammo, um, was running a smaller motor with a gearbox. So, that, you know, the SR is going to be a serious a serious machine. I mean, what you're looking at though is is the Impulse's. I was just talking to Kenyon yesterday. The S is not a sport bike, and the Impulse is pretty much a sport bike. I mean, I don't I haven't ridden one, so I can't really say. I'm not exactly Mister Motorcycle Magazine reviewer. So, um,
5: yeah, the and, the way you sit on it, and the and as well as the way it looks, but like the the way it feels, uh, they they do feel different, and you know, for some people, that's very important. Yeah. Uh, most most of the the Bramo guys who ride impulses, you know, that's they value that quite a bit. So, uh, you know, that's important to them.
1: Well, and that's why I want to bring out is is the differences so that you know people can listen to this and go help them make an informed decision. Let's listen to owners and and why they feel this way or that. Uh, Lorraine, um, yeah, you had said there just weren't any Bramos available in your area, right?
2: No, I think uh, like uh, if we had. I actually don't know because I've never actually ridden one, but uh, we were looking for Bramble bikes and uh, we looked at the the website and you had to pre-order and there wasn't any place nearby where we could test ride one and that was a really important thing for us to be able to test ride in order to make a purchasing decision. Um, and uh, we really liked the uh, just just a single like, not having to deal with uh, with a clutch at all. it's actually something that uh, my husband and I both um, we're really interested in. That's how we really like riding the scooter. Like, you know, we both took the uh, the motorcycle course and uh, just having to deal with it, you know, being new riders, is this is something that uh, we only started doing in the last six years, like riding on two wheels. Um, so it wasn't something we were very comfortable, uh, like, you know, dealing with, the clutch. Um, so it's kind of, you know, that was the big selling point as well. Just it's how much more... Uh, concentration. Is it gonna take away from actually riding me, you know, like what uh what Ben was saying. Like you get to concentrate on the actual ride itself and being safe and being alert and not having to worry about which gear you're on as you're approaching a light or as you're, you know, going around a curve.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. And it went Susanna went over, you know, it just didn't it didn't fit her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It
3: was it was the fit but also I mean if the FX hadn't existed and it was just between the S and the M-Pulse, because I was seriously considering them. I mean, I pre-ordered the M-Pulse, even though that doesn't require a commitment. Um, and I was really considering them. And Harlan kept hinting that the 2013 S would be amazing. And he couldn't tell me anything, but he was like, just wait and try it. And I'm like, okay, I should at least try it. And then also, I adore Harlan. And I think what he's doing for electric vehicles is absolutely like astounding i mean nobody is as committed to the electric bike industry as he is um and so i didn't want to have to buy a bike from a harley dealership and in los angeles that's the bramo dealership it's the most like iconic historic harley dealership in los angeles and i don't i i'm really like kind of you know biased seriously biased against harley riders and um you know, it kind of goes back to a time in my younger years when I worked across the street from a spot where they used to all hang out and, like, just rev their motors all day. And, you know, it would just reverberate through our store. And I just I, – ever since then, I'm like, anyone on Harleys, I can't stand them. You know, and um, it's really hard for me to, like, work past that. And so to have to, like, go to a Harley dealership to get my bike serviced or, you know – and then if something – needed to be dealt with by a real electrical engineer and not a mechanic with some training. I, I couldn't take that to Harlan and be like, Oh, I didn't buy this from you, but will you fix it? You know, like there's no way right. um, he would fix it, but it's just, I would feel horrible for doing that. So I was like, part of it was loyalty to a dealership that I think is amazing and I wanted to support. And, um, and part of it's just, yeah, I mean, um, you know, I I mean, it's, like, to me, the bikes are both pretty equal and have their, their their pluses and minuses. Like, I don't feel the need for a transmission on an electric bike. But, you know, it's kind of neat to have. It's just not, like, you know, a few hundred bucks neat to have, you know. Yep. Yeah.
2: I think, I think uh, another way of putting it as far as preference, if two of those bikes were available for free and it was offered to me on, you know, like, hey, you can have a free Impulse, for a free zero um, s, I would still choose the zero as just because of the simple uh, operation. Um, I don't know if that's, that helps clarify it a little bit more.
1: No, no, I, I understand, and it even throws normal gas guys off because I mean, the, the, there's that clunk that, that everyone knows about and now knows how to like live with and stuff. And what it is is it's it's normal drivetrain slop. It's normal normal movement in a transmission. Every motorcycle has it, but because the electric motor doesn't spin or idle, you know, it doesn't spin while going nowhere, there's no preloading of that. And it's quiet is all sin, so when it hits, you know, it's like, what's going on, you know? And then, oh. and, and what, I just did an interview with a, with a Pramo owner, and he compared the transmission to an AK 47 versus a, a, a more, you know, <laughs> fine instrument. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a bit bulletproof. Yes. and But you don't need the clutch to upshift. And, mm-hmm. and then, really, if you want to, you just put it in third gear and ride around all day. So, so even then, gas guys just get thrown for a minute. I, I will say this I've interviewed Shalina Moreto a lot, and, you know, if, if you were to tell her that you're taking your transmission away. Mm, no, I don't want to be that person. <laughs> you know,
2: they're both beautiful bikes, though. I gotta say, they—they're they, both—they're both really good to look at.
1: Well, oh yeah, they're both cool. The—the they, I've said they—they they do different. They're different bikes, and there's room for both in the in the market. But but yeah, you know, we want to hear everyone's. We want to be fair to everyone, but we want to hear everyone's opinion as to why in this group they chose zero. So I really appreciate that. It's a lot of really good feedback. Um. All right, so let's let's go to reliability. Um, If you go to the Electric Motorcycle Forum, um, you can read some horror stories. Um, But considering the volume, excuse me, that Zero puts out, or, you know, apparently puts out, because no one really knows any numbers, um, I'm not sure it's really that many cases. Uh, Dan, what's been, been your experience?
4: Well, if you don't count, like, the two first months of my ownership, it's been great, but I did have quite a few problems, and if you guys have read the forum, you might have uh, read my thread. I was pretty annoyed when I first got the zero, because mine broke after one day. It was pretty sad. the dealership, they didn't give me a loaner bike right away, so I was just really missing my zero, and it took them a week to get the parts in the mail, and then a few more days, I think, maybe to uh, install it, I think it was... They thought it was the main bike board was the problem. Like, the bike didn't turn on at all. It was just dead, dead. And so they, they said they fixed it. They gave it back to me. And then a week later, it breaks down again. Almost, it seemed like the same problem. The bike wouldn't turn on or anything. That time, they ended up giving me a loaner bike. And I had the loaner bike for two or three weeks, maybe, while they were working on a Getting my bike either fixed or either getting me a new one and halfway through that they ended up just giving up on my bike because I don't think mechanics there really had the technical know-how on what was going on or how to diagnose it and it was probably getting annoying because Zero had to pretty much talk them through step by step how to diagnose certain problems. And so I ended up getting a completely new bike after that just because they, I don't know, they didn't want to to keep me waiting anymore, so that was nice. So it ended up being, like, from the time I actually bought the first bike to the time I got the second bike that I was working properly was kind of a long time, which was annoying. After I got a second bike, it was pretty much problem-free. I only had one problem, which was my contactor welded itself shut so the bike wouldn't turn off properly. You would turn it off on the key... Uh, it looked like it, the whole bike was shut down, but apparently the high-voltage system was still... Go to the controller. And so it was kind of cool how the bike knew that it had the problem because when you turn it on, it wouldn't let you operate the bike. It would just keep flashing the error code. And I looked up on their website. Their website at the time uh, was incorrect for the error code. I think it was like four dashes and then one dash. I forgot what the actual one was, but according to their user manual, it said that was a temperature sensor error but it wasn't, it was the main contactor that was the problem. That one wasn't too bad at all, because uh, they flew down a representative from zero to my dealership, and they had me bring in the bike, and he swapped out the part that day, and he also updated the software on the main bike board, and that was supposed to fix the problem, which it has, I haven't had a problem since. So that, that one was pretty painless, it was just like a one-day thing to fix the bike, so that wasn't too bad. And after that, I've, I've had really good luck with my bike, so haven't had really any major issues. There's one thing, I don't want, I don't know if your guys' bikes do this, but my charger, when it's done charging, it'll make clicking noises. Does anyone else have have that?
2: Yeah, mine clicks as soon as I plug it in, it does a little, little like rhythmic clicking.
4: No, when mine's done charging, like when it's complete, it'll click, like it'll go click, click click, and it'll never stop clicking until you unplug it or turn the bike on.
1: That sounds like a a relay inside the charger.
4: That's probably what it is. I've contacted Zero a few times about it, and they said, don't worry about it. They don't think it's a problem. So, hopefully, it will never (laughs) be a problem. (laughs) It It really... It's kind of a a little annoying how other people's bikes don't do it, but mine does, and then they're telling me that I should just not worry about it. I, I would like to have peace of mind and just know that everything's okay you know, I mean, and an charge design like that quick on eventually
1: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah I, that just sounds like a relay swapping over it sounds like a relay that's taking power off because once you once you've completed the charge in your pack um then it goes into just a kind of like maintaining mode you know and it just kind of starts balancing and stuff so you're gonna have relays switching over reducing or increasing power depending okay. but um, that's what it sounds like to me Um, I mean, I used to work on military aircraft, so that's, if I were clicking, it was just a relay. Um, Yeah, as long as the relay doesn't wear (laughs) (laughs)
2: out.
4: I think my bike has an infinite glitch where it occasionally will just lose throttle response. I have, uh, it's it's done it eight times since I've owned this particular bike. it's not that big of a deal. You just have to turn the bike off, turn it back on. And it'll usually clear the air. Chris um, from Zero told me that it's a problem with the software on the motor controller, and that uh, eventually an update will be available that should fix the problem. I did notice, though, I haven't had it in a while, and I'm thinking maybe it has something to do with Florida's humidity during the summer. Because ever since uh, it stopped raining every day, it seemed that I didn't have the problem for a long time. So maybe it has something to do with the moisture in the air. I think I even read something on the forum about they thought the problem was condensation inside the motor's encoder, and that could have maybe been causing the problem. I don't know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, I
1: laugh because, cause, I mean, I, I have a lot more contacts at, at when I New Zero, and I laugh because the racers, their their favorite joke at the beginning of the season is it was, it was always the encoder. Whatever was wrong with the bike, it was the encoder, because they're all like, you know, petrol heads, and they know nothing about electrical stuff, and so it was... It just that just struck me as funny. Sorry, <coughs> I apologize. Uh, ben, uh, reliability issues?
5: Well, uh, very very early on there was a couple, but um, since then it's been golden. Um, I think uh, I I think I was the first person to uh, they they told me I broke one of their motors, um, and uh, so that they just shipped a new one out. Um, but that was that was like a, a fluke kind of thing. Um, I had the glitch. They fixed it pretty quickly, and then other than that, it's really been uh, free sailing. Uh, riding cross country was uh, was piece of cake. That, the trip was 4,600 miles in a summer, and we went straight through places like Death Valley. For the first two weeks, it rained every single day, so we were we started in the southeast, and it was raining every day, so there was plenty of water. Um, we went through the southwest, and it was hot and dry. And, uh, and then we went up the, up the west coast on the PCH, which was beautiful, but, and it got kind of cold when we got to San Francisco. So we hit a lot of different temperatures, but, um, the bike was perfect. I think, I think one time I shook a connection loose, but you, you push it back in, (laughs) and it works. So, um, that was it. So it was, it's been smooth sailing. Sorry. Pushing connectors
1: in brings back Navy memories. Some sketchy things happen sometimes um, all right cool well that's you know we, we had a you know a bit of a saying when i when I flew well not when I flew when I was working on aircraft is the more they fly, the more reliable they become so if you're riding it every day it just you know because the, the the things are designed to be flown regularly and and the motorcycle similar you know you, if you want a motorcycle to be reliable and not be ridden much, you have to build it that way, and and I think sometimes, you know, if, if you ride drive a car all day, or you ride a motorcycle all day, sometimes they, they just work better, because that's kind of where they resigned around. But it's just, I mean, um, Susanna, you had a recall, but otherwise, have
3: you had any issues? Um, no, just the, the sadness and the, the t- trauma of not having my new love for two months. It was unbearable. <laughs> I was really lucky because, um, you know, I had to do that school with Shalina Shil- Moreda. She does a dirt track school, and I really wanted to do it on my Zero because um, it's designed for riding in the dirt, and uh, I was going to give up and just use one of their XR100s, and Harlan was like, no, we're going to get you batteries. Like, I'll make sure this happens, and he called Gabe at Zero, and Gabe's like, yeah, I've got some demo batteries, you know, research, or whatever, batteries that she can borrow but she has to come here to get them so I went through all this drama and using Zimride to basically as courier service to get the batteries so that I could get them to Sacramento I mean it was crazy like I think I wrote about it on my personal blog um I don't know but it was just so much effort and it was totally worth it and it was so cool to have my FX when I needed it and um you know, uh like they took care of us as far as like, you know, oh you get some free stuff and I'm like, I don't need a mesh jacket, I don't need mesh gloves. Um, but I do need these things. And they're like, okay, yeah, here, you know, and um so that was good. Um and then uh excuse me, people bugging me on Facebook. Um and then uh so other than that it's been fine. I mean there was a weird thing I went out on uh the East Side Moto Babes ride, um a few weeks ago. Um, and just like, you know, and Harlan was saying this can't be anything to do with it, but I was touching my friend's vintage Beamer, the turn signal. And I was like, Oh, a cute little turn signal on the bar, you know? And, and, and then my bike wouldn't start. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like the light turned green and I was stuck there and I was just like, okay, I think Shaq didn't like that moment of intimacy with the vintage uh, gas bike, you know? Um, so I, uh, you know, I just turned it off a couple times, and it started up again after that. Um, so, but other than that, everything things been fine. And, like, I didn't know that I could just email a service notice um, through the app. Like, I wasn't really, you know, aware of that. So then Harlan was like, yeah, next time you can just email that and then, or let me know, and I can look it up and see what it says, you know. So if something happens, I can do that. Awesome.
1: Very cool. Very cool. Can you guys hear me? Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: I've been putting my microphone on mute as I cough, so and I've been hitting it so many times I wasn't sure where I was.
2: <laughs>
1: Apologize. Um. Very cool. Um. Yeah. Maintenance. What do you guys, Dan? What What have you had to do for maintenance?
4: <laughs> Zero. No, I just kidding. Guys. <laughs> I've had to replace my back tire because I'm I'm over ten thousand miles now, and that my back tire was shot. I'm up replacing that, and if I retensioned the belt and two times, maybe three times since I got it. And other than those two things, it's been completely making free.
5: Ben? Uh, yeah, I replaced the back tire. Um, because I went over ten thousand miles, and uh, once I got oh, I I put a size six. Um, controller on my 2012, so it rides almost the same as a 2013 Zero S, and, uh, and when I discovered I could do burnouts, then I had a little bit of fun, so that tire was very flat uh, on the, on the, where it's supposed to be rounded, but, um, but that, was, that was really it, uh, the only things that I've been, done to my bike is I've actually attached a couple of external chargers to it. Uh, but that doesn't really fall into maintenance. I guess that's more upgrades.
1: Yeah. Lorraine?
2: Yeah. Oh, so just uh, I didn't get to talk about uh, maintenance, but uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, Susanna talking about shacks being a little a little jealous. So that's kind of what happened with my 2012 is when I started uh, entertaining the idea of trading in. That was the week that I actually had to uh, get it serviced. That was the only time I've ever had anything Uh, happened to it and that's (laughs)
1: hi Ben (laughs) (laughs) sorry go go ahead Lorraine
2: and so uh so yeah so I uh I had sat on the the 2013 and my husband and I started talking about it there was a lot of rain that week and uh I I came home and I was covered in mud for some reason I had so much grit on me so I hosed me down including my home, the garden hose, like my face plate clothes. I hose my face down. I hose my shirt, my, my jacket, my pants. And I turn around and I hose down my 2012. And I must have squirted right into the, uh, into wherever the the, the the battery management system was. Because that, that morning, she just didn't want to have anything to do with me. And like, like Darth Zero, which is like, not, it's catatonic, just, no, I'm not talking to you, (laughs) I'm not going to go nowhere, so we actually, like, let it sit inside the house to warm it up, it had a fan blowing, nothing, and so uh, the the dealership actually came and uh, um, put her on a flatbed, I was really sad, I was, you know, to see see her go, and um, so they took a look at it, and uh, it it was water intrusion, so they had to get a new uh, board, but they had quit making the 2012, so they put in the 2013 brain in there instead. Um, but at that same time, there was a new 2013 in the shop, and it was the color that I was talking about wanting to get. And so before I knew it, we were trading it <laughs> by then. Um, so that, that's the only problem I've had with the, with the 2012 with the, was, was just, a, and that was around like after 4,000 miles, and it was just a water intrusion. And it was just something really dumb. Like I squirted it with a the, with the garden hose, and it was on a really hard spray, and I just like squirted the whole thing. Um, and then for the 2013, the the only thing that's happened so far uh, were the ball bearings on my rear wheel, apparently was, uh, was making this loud clunking noises. Um, and so that was replaced. Um, I was worried about, like, the key sprocket. There was a recall. Um, but uh, they did that before I was having any problems. And then after that was done... I started to hear the loud clicking noises and it was really getting me worried, like reading up on it. And I think I posted a bit on the forums about it, but yeah, it, it turned out to be the faulty ball bearings and that they, uh, that they would go out before I rode another 2000 miles, which is kind of crazy. So the, the dealership was actually doing something about that and contacted the uh, supplier for the, uh, the ball bearings. I don't know, like in, you know, like with, I don't know like what exactly what they're doing, but so they fixed it. Um, and it fixed it right away, so that was really cool. I wasn't, you know, a day without my uh, 2013, really, except for the, you know, like when they did the recall service, I was out for like a day. So right. it's been problem free so far.
4: All right.
1: It, I, I apologize for for leaving you out. Have you had to have any? <laughs> I, I I I really do. I, I for skipping your turn there. Did any um, what have you had to do in maintenance for for either bike, or have you not put enough miles on them?
2: Mm, no, I don't think so. Like 4,000 miles, I, I don't think that's enough to really, like, get anything, uh, I don't know, to go out of whack. But, uh, the dealership said that they will cover my, oh, brake pads, possibly? Yep. yep. I think, uh, something got done with that. Um, so I'm really stretching trying to think of things. <laughs> but there, there hasn't been anything that uh, I needed to do, like, uh, like you know, I said the only thing I've ever like done to the bike is actually get the wheels powder coated. Um, so I have the uh, the orange wheels. So if you ever see a picture of a 2013 with orange wheels, that's mine. So that's that's pretty much it. No maintenance, just cosmetic.
1: Ah, oh, cool. Sorry, my mute button wasn't working. No, thank you. Thank you for that, Susanna. Maintenance?
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's only got like 3,400 miles on it. I mean, I, I work two blocks from home so uh I don't really get to ride it except to go out at night um and that's what I always tell people is like you don't have to get oil changes you don't have to get valve adjustments and it's just so nice to have something that's maintenance free and then even like when I'm really broke I don't have to buy gas you know I can like go all over the place and um so I just yeah I haven't had to do any maintenance I know that I'm I think, I, th- I think Harlan may have adjusted the belt once, um, and, you know, my tires are still not anywhere near needing to be replaced, even though I've tried really hard to use both sides, like, all the way to the edge. Like, Shalina's, like, the angle of that tire, you just can't, you know? Like, there's always going to be chicken strokes on it, which is kind of unfortunate. But, yeah, I haven't needed new tires yet. Um,
1: you've got a supermoto setup on yours too, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I put the S wheels on there for everyday riding. Um, so those are the tires I'm talking about that like, I haven't really been able to use them all the way to the edge. Um, and so, you know, it'd be interesting to see what a faster, more accomplished rider can do on that bike on a, on a racetrack. Cause on my R1, I can totally use it all the way to each side. Um, but on this bike, I rode it around Laguna Seca, and I just felt like I just couldn't get that much lean angle out of it. I don't know. But, I mean, I don't lean that much anyway, so I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, it's been, like, maintenance-free. I've had it since April, you know.
1: Cool, cool. I wonder if it's got something just to do with the, the wheel size how it's working with the geometry of the bike.
3: It's possible, yeah. But um, I actually have to go. so okay. Is there like, last-minute thing you want to ask me, or is there, like... <clears throat>
1: Uh, but do you have anything you want to you share or you think is important?
3: Um, I'm excited about the SR, and I'm really hoping that they'll be able to get me on that bike on a racetrack to talk about what it feels like on a racetrack, because I have racing experience. I used to race the Prolite 250, and then I've ridden my R1 and a bunch of racetracks. And um, and it would be really nice to finally take an electric bike that's a proper sport bike out on a track and, and really see what that does. Um, you know, so hopefully we'll be able to read about that on Gas2O in the spring, when people are thinking about buying motorcycles instead of in the fall. <laughs> and um, you know, so that would be really exciting. And uh, but yeah, I love my FX. I'm actually gonna jump on it right now. Like I modified it so I could put a Givi top case on it, because I just buy and buy all my groceries. I don't, you know, there's no other reason. To, there's no reason to drive a car in Los Angeles, like ever. You know, even in the rain, like I literally rode across town in the rain recently, and I just had to remember to plug, put the little rubber plug in the electrical connector thing, like, oh, yeah, you might want to plug that up because it's raining out now, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, other than that, it was just, you know, another ride. It was, it was stressful, but it was like, okay, the bike's totally okay with that, you know. And, uh, yeah, so cool. But thanks so much. No
1: problem. Thanks for joining us.
3: All I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.
1: Okay, bye. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you, Susan, for uh, for, for joining us. Let's see. So we've gone over uh, any reliability issues. We've gone over maintenance. Um, what have – has there been any issues? Have you noticed anything with your electric bill? That's going to be a common question, I assume.
4: Um. Where I live, actually, I'm renting, a, I live in an apartment building, and I'm renting a garage, and the electricity from that garage outlet isn't on my electric bill, so I don't have to pay it. I'm actually zero. My mileage is a zero cents per mile. Luckily, no no one's uh, really noticed yet. I'm, I mean, it's, it has an outlet in the garage, but there's a lot of easy electricity in there. So.
1: Well, hang on one second. Lorraine?
2: Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm moving my iPad around. Sorry. <laughs> oh, is it my turn?
1: <laughs> no, no. It was it was making Dan's comments break up. All right. Sorry. No, stay, hang on one second. All right. Go ahead, Dan.
4: Yep. So, I really don't ever have to pay for electricity for my bike. So, <laughs> that's nice.
1: Well, I mean that that says something. If, if no one's noticed the electric bill on the garage and kind of knocked on you your door and going, dude, what you run the hair dryer all day long? You know. <laughs> hey Ben, what what about you?
5: Yeah, I, uh, I I'm in a similar situation because um, I rent uh, a room in a house and we and utilities are included. So the twelve thousand five hundred miles that I've ridden with a motorcycle have all been completely free. Uh, which is nice um, when we went across country on the tour uh, we rented hotel rooms and i charged my motorcycle either on an outlet in the hotel or or in the room and so charging was completely free although i estimated that it would have cost about 40 or 45 dollars uh, to charge to go all the way across country um, but yeah no if i if i actually had to pay for electricity i think it would I think it would add about nine dollars uh, a month, uh, assuming I, I traveled a thousand miles each month, uh, which uh, I usually go a little under that, I think. Cool. Cool. But, but the, anyway, so the, the landlord and I talked about that. I'm sorry. What I meant to say is the landlord and I talked about that because he's like, well, I wouldn't pay for your gasoline because that's the that's the mentality that a lot of people have. And uh, and so I actually measure the electricity usage. And uh, so I know exactly how much electricity is used for my motorcycle versus for the rest of the house. Uh, and I have all these graphs that show you like I can tell you when my TV is turned on, when the heat, you know, the space heaters turned on, all that stuff. So um, so I, I showed him how little electricity it uses because electric motors are 90 percent efficient. And uh, he did not see the need to add some add anything to my rent or anything like that. Uh, just because of motorcycle charging, and I also have an electric car as well. I, I have a Mitsubishi i and so um, so I charge both of those. And you know, he hasn't felt like it's been enough to significantly change uh, change what's going on. The, I think the main reason is because even with both my vehicles charging, our electricity use. Uh, there are four people living in my in my living arrangement. And with four of us, we use less electricity than the two people who are downstairs, even though I've got two electric vehicles hooked up to our electric system. Wow. But Very that's cool. because I've changed out all the lights, and, you know, we have efficient TV and efficient refrigerator, all that stuff.
1: Very cool. That's that's nice that your landlord was open enough to look at the data.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I made sure to collect some before we had that conversation. But it, it's basically, you know, we most American homes are super wasteful. And people are just throwing money away on their electric bill. And if you pay a little bit of attention, you can save uh, a solid amount of electricity and therefore money uh, just by making some upgrades. And it turned out that my the upgrades that I had made voluntarily to my apartment uh, ended up saving more money than the electricity used by my vehicles. Oh, wow. So I think that's an important message for people to, to understand is that, you know, right now, like, if you're listening to this, you're probably wasting a lot of electricity. <laughs> so, yeah.
2: Yo, I'm looking around the house right now, and I'm thinking, yes, I probably am in this room. Yes. Yeah.
5: Um
1: I, I upgraded the, the lights in the room that I rent to uh CFLs. Oh good. I had rid regular, regular incandescent and I went, ah the heck with this. They kept burning out too, so I was like, ah, Um no, that's really awesome, man. That's a really good point. And and you're 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 fortunate that your landlord was someone that that could take data and, and, and still process it.
5: Yeah, he's reasonable and that you don't always find reasonable landlords. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> Lorraine,
1: um Electric bill issues at all?
2: Yeah, so we uh, we're kind of looking at it. I'm not like a, a year long thing. So the year that we had the 2012, uh, we didn't notice uh, an uptick in our like monthly. Like just looking at the whole, like the monthly usage, um, we actually may have been using less. But we also changed out like uh, every bulb that went out, every halogen that went out, we replaced with LED bulbs. We got, uh, like, new – like, a new dishwasher. We had, like, a couple of new things, like, put in the house, you know, things that we replaced. And so maybe we also got a little bit more energy efficient. We could still do more, certainly. But uh, I haven't noticed, uh, like, an increase, at least with the 2012. We're still kind of holding out a little bit on the 2013. Um, And it kind of broke down to about .18 cents a mile is uh, what it was turning out to be, like, for my 2012 at the time, just averaging out, um, like, the, the monthly bill and looking at the uh, total kilowatt-hour usage and just breaking that down that way. Um, but, yeah, like, we could be a little bit more diligent about, like, when I plug it in and how much juice it's taken and what like, time so we can get the actual rate. But there hasn't really been, like, a significant increase, not with the zero anyway. Max? It, yeah.
1: Excellent. I uh, well, we've <clears throat> that's a I've covered everything. I, I think we can cover. I, um, I, I my voice is about had it. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> sorry. Um, and and it's been about an hour. Okay. So I really want to thank everyone, Dan, Lorraine, Ben. I really appreciate your time.
2: All right. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Sure. Thank you.
1: No worries. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Um, the website, if you don't know, is esbk.co. I'm a little more racing-orientated. But, uh, um, no, I really appreciate your time, and hopefully um, um, the world gets spread about this podcast and some people can get some good information. Um, yeah, that's it for tonight, I guess. Oh, <laughs> I'm not ending this very well. I, I'm not ending it very well, but I'm uh, not particularly well at the moment either. So, um, no, again, thanks a lot, guys, and, uh, you. and you have a good night.
2: Oh, you too. Thank you. Better. All
1: right. Will do. Thanks, guys. All
2: right. Bye-bye.